What's the best party you've ever been invited to? Uh, the fanciest, most extravagant event you've ever been blessed to attend? What comes to mind? If you ask me that question instantly, I go to a wedding that I was asked to officiate a handful of years ago when my family and I were doing ministry in New York City. I was asked to officiate the wedding of a daughter of a well-known Wall Street investor. And the wedding itself, the ceremony was, was over the top, but, but the reception took it to new heights. It was, it was held in the grand ballroom of the Ritz-Carlton in New York City. And it was incredible. I remember, though, feeling nervous as my wife and I were walking into the reception because I, I felt that they might, like, ask for a bank statement or, like, try to run my credit, in which case we would definitely not get into this party. And we were sitting at the table that we were assigned to, and I remember leaning over to my wife and saying, are they, are they, I, I don't think they're going to have food. And she said, Matt, of course they're going to have food. Why wouldn't they? And I said, well, I, I, don't, see, I don't see a buffet set up anywhere. And she had this look on her face as if she was finally realizing that she'd married a very, very simple man. And she said, Matt, I, I think they're going to bring the food to our table. And I was like, wow. <laughs> when I grew up, an, an extravagant party was one where you had to wear your nice blue jeans and you had more than two choices of soda to drink at the party. But this took it to a whole other level. What's the most extravagant party you have ever been invited to? Think about it. The reason I ask is because Jesus, in today's text, Luke chapter 14, Jesus is at a dinner party. And he uses this event where he's at a dinner party with some religious leaders to teach about the kingdom of God, what the activity, the reign and rule of God is ultimately like, that he's ushering in with his very presence. And he, he uses something that's close at hand, a dinner party, to say, well, you know what? The kingdom of heaven is a lot like a lavish dinner party, especially when you think of the end of the world. You see, God's kingdom is, is experienced now in pieces and in parts through the promises and the work of Jesus. Like with the baptism we just saw, we get a peak of, of the kingdom of heaven coming through into our world where someone is marked as a member of his family. But there will come this day when, when Jesus comes back, who right now is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will bring with him the fullness of the kingdom, where it says he will recreate everything that we see, and, and God in flesh, Jesus Christ, will reign and rule with his resurrected and chosen people in the fullness of the kingdom. And Jesus says the kingdom of God, both the peaks and hints of it we get right now, and the fullness of it, in the very end, it's like a lavish over-the-top banquet, which was not an uncommon way to speak about it. The scriptures often talk about the kingdom of God as a lavish banquet, a, a, a lights-out wedding that you never want to have end. We've all been to some bad weddings. We've all been to some weddings where we're there more out of obligation than anything else. Um, but there are some weddings you go to where you have the time of your life, Right? Where you're not necessarily the one involved in the nuptials, but it's just an incredible event. Like the ceremony is beautiful, and then the reception. You get to the reception, and the food is good, the drinks are good, and you're surrounded by people that you know and you love, and they're all looking good. 
and you're, you're having fun and you're making jokes and you're making memories and everyone is carefree like your your crazy uncle is out on the dance floor with a tie wrapped around his head and nobody cares because you're making a memory and it's a good time there, there are moments like that where you say man if I could bottle up this experience and just kind of savor it forever I would have you been to a party like that Jesus says that's what the kingdom of God is like. But, he says, and this is the point of the parable he tells at this dinner party, only certain people get in. Only certain people make it in to this kingdom. On the invitation is written one phrase, for the humble only. Only the humble receive the kingdom. And then he tells a story that helps us understand what it means to humbly receive and be a part of the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to spend a few minutes talking about this morning. What kind of humility receives and enjoys the work and the kingdom and the party in the end that Jesus promises? The first thing that we can gauge about the humility that receives the kingdom and enjoys it from the parable that Jesus tells is that the kingdom of God belongs to those who are humble enough to prioritize his kingdom. They're humble enough to prioritize the kingdom. If you remember the parable that was read by Howard, the master's invitation goes out to a group of people. A master is throwing a party, he sends out an invitation, and the people who receive the invitation, they ignore it. They all found excuses, some way to bow out of it. And you've done this before. There's some event you don't want to go to, so you make up some lie, you know you've done it, so that you don't have to go there. And that's what's happening to this master's invitation to this incredible banquet. And they come up with really lame excuses. There's one guy who's like, uh, you know what? I just bought a field. And I need to go check out that field and see if I can really buy a house there and set up a farm there so I can't come. And you know it's a lie because you would have checked out the field before you bought it to know whether or not it was worth the investment. But fine, don't come to the party. And then another guy, <laughs> he's like, I can't come because I just got married and my wife won't let me. <sighs> Women. Which you know it's a lie because I'm sure the master in his generosity would have let his wife come too. And by the way, just as an aside, never use your spouse as an excuse to get out of doing something. Like, show some respect. Use the kids. <laughs> it's the better way to go about it. Now, it's not like the people in this parable didn't know the party invitation was coming. Like they had legitimate plans and they were surprised by it. No, Jesus makes clear in the telling of this parable that the people who rejected the invitation to the grand feast, which represents the kingdom of God, the people who rejected the invitation to the grand feast, they knew well and good well in advance that it was coming. And they chose not to make it a priority in their life when it finally appeared for them. Here's how it's put in the story. A man once gave a great banquet and he invited many one invitation and at the time for the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who'd been invited this is a second invitation come for everything is now ready so those invited to the banquet they receive not one but two invitations they get to save the date the master is throwing a massive banquet and then just before the party is set to start 
A servant shows up and knocks on everybody's door and says, hey, remember the party? It's today. Let's go. They knew that the invitation was theirs. And yet they chose not to prioritize that invitation and to put a whole bunch of other things in front of it. As we hear this story, Jesus is sharing this story to convict the hearts of the hearers, like you and me. He tells this story in such a way that we are meant to ask the question, would I prioritize the invitation to the party? Do I place a proper priority to the invitation into God's great banquet and his great kingdom? Do I? And if we're answering with honest hearts, we have to say this, we don't. You and I spend so much time chasing after other priorities and pushing the fact that God has invited you into his kingdom way down the list. We chase after the approval of other people, thinking that that's going to make us happy. We chase after work and career, often for good reasons. We want to be a good steward of the education we've been given. We want to provide for our family. But we, we chase after getting one more email sent on our family's time because we think that that's going to make us feel happy and whole. It's going to give us peace. We make a long list of experiences we want to have and things we want to do, thinking that if we live this, this, this rich and Instagram-worthy existence, that somehow we will have made the most of our life. We chase after all those things. We put them in a high place of priority. But in the end, they're going to prove kind of pointless. Instead, what does Jesus say about the priorities you should have? In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says this. He says, Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all the other things that you truly need, all the other things are going to be added to you. So, so rearrange your priorities. The fact that God is real, he loves you, he has gifts to give you, and he has a future set aside for you. Let that be a priority to you. Jesus is the one inviting the world to the master's party. He's the one knocking on every door saying, you're invited and you're invited and you're invited. Come now. Everything is prepared. Enjoy the generosity of the master. He's knocking on your door and mine and saying, the party is ready for you. You can actually begin to enjoy it now. Now you might be wondering, Matt, how do I enjoy the party that won't that won't be in play in full until the end of the world. How do I enjoy that today? If the kingdom of God is only experienced in little fits and spurts now, but it's coming in fullness later when Jesus comes back and resurrects the world and recreates everything, how can I enjoy that today? It's a good question. Think of it like this. Imagine that you have an invitation to the party of the year in Houston, Texas, and it's happening later today. And whoever your favorite celebrity is, they're the entertainment for the evening, whatever your favorite food is, that's on the menu, whoever the most desirable and coolest people in Houston are, they're all on the list, and so are you, and you are excited for it. You have elite access to this incredible party. It's happening later today. Knowing that would shape everything else that you do with the rest of your day, wouldn't it? Knowing that there's a party coming, it's not yet, but it's coming, would shape everything else you do with the rest of your day. If you've got a party later in the day, in the morning, you're going to be walking around with a bit of a bounce in your step. I got a party today. Mm. That's, that's how you're going to walk around. 
And, and you are going to be reminding people that you've got a party tonight. Yeah, I can come and help you out. Uh, we can go and have lunch, but I, I got that party tonight. It's kind of a big deal. You'd be talking about it, right? And not only that, everything you do, you'd be kind of looking at your watch and you'd be mindful of the fact that, that you've got another commitment that you're looking forward to that's coming up. And so you'd be careful not to let anything that you do now get in the way of what's waiting for you then. You would view everything through the lens of what's awaiting you later in the day, right? The same is true as a follower of Jesus Christ. There is this incredible, beautiful future waiting for you. This feast that you cannot fathom waiting for you. And it's coming and it's assured for you. And you can taste it in glimpses now through the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. And you can walk in it today by recognizing that that party is coming and letting it influence everything else. How should you walk through your life knowing that the party is coming? What decisions should you make knowing that the party is coming? Maybe the big things aren't the big things because the party is coming. Maybe the fears aren't quite so scary because the party is coming. Maybe this thing that you've made a huge priority is actually kind of a distraction because remember, the party is coming. That's what it means to walk in that invitation today. And Jesus is inviting the world to do that. To walk in the knowledge that the party is coming. But there's a warning in this parable as well. If you fail to prioritize the fact that you've been invited into this kingdom and you put everything else in front of it and you never receive that promise, you never believe in that promise, you never at all have faith in the promise that you're invited to the master's party through the work of Jesus Christ, if you continue to reject it and ignore it, in the end you will get exactly what you've wanted. The kingdom will continue and the party will happen without you. The kingdom comes to those who are humble enough to prioritize it. The second thing we know is this. The kingdom is those who are humble enough to accept that it's absolutely free. The message of Jesus is that God's kingdom is emerging. That his party of love and mercy is coming through him. And that there's no entrance fee. There's no dress code. There's no resume requirement. They're not going to check your bank statement. You just get to come in and enjoy it. As the servant said in the parable, he says, come now for everything is ready. If everything about the party is ready, then what do you need to bring to the party to enjoy it? Nothing. Entrance and access and enjoyment of the promise of the party is completely free. All you do is attend. Here's how God works. He accepts people into his family. He places them in the eternal party for free. Now, that doesn't mean it costs nothing. It just means that the master has absorbed and paid for the entire cost. And that's what the Father has done through Jesus Christ. Jesus came into this world and he left his kingdom to pay for the party for everybody else. He, he lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death and then he rose triumphantly so that now, and this is the, the, the offensively free nature of Jesus' message. He says now, through simple faith in him, you get everything he is as your own. So now through even the tiniest, most minuscule amount of faith in who Jesus is, you get to look at his perfect life and say, oh, his, his perfect life, uh, that's mine. And you get to look at Jesus and say, oh, his, his sacrificial death to pay for the sins of the world, that's mine. My debt is paid. His, his rise from the dead, 
That's my future. His empty grave is my empty grave. Through faith in Jesus, you get everything that Jesus is. So much so that when the Father looks at you, if you were to see the way the Father looks at those who have faith in Jesus Christ, you wouldn't recognize yourself. Because when the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus. And he says, oh, I know you. I recognize you. I've got a party waiting for you and a place at my table that's for you. Come and enjoy it. It's absolutely free. It's absolutely free. And once you get a glimpse of all the benefit that comes to you through being a member of the kingdom and everything that it costs Jesus, and you wrestle with the fact that it's completely free to you, costs you absolutely nothing, you can't help but be humbled by that. And some people can never get over that. They can't get over the fact that they get everything, but they give nothing. Because it hits at their pride and their ego. Have you ever ever been given a gift so extravagant that you feel bad for receiving it? Because it's so over the top and nice, and you could never repay them. And so you kind of feel guilty for receiving it. Like, I could never take this because I could never repay it, and I certainly don't deserve it. That's what Jesus is. That's what Jesus has done. Some people can't get over that, and so they insist, and they say, well, that's cheap grace. I have to bring something to the party. I have to prove my place at this party some way, somehow. Certainly, I have to live a... I have to live a a certain kind of life in order to prove my entrance to the party. I have to have a certain amount of fearless faith to prove my entrance to the party. Certainly, I, I have to know a little bit of doctrine and prove my knowledge of the scriptures in order to earn entrance to the party. But none of that is true. All of those things are nice, but none of those things are needed for entrance into God's kingdom. It's all offensively free. In fact, if you insist on saying, I've got to bring something in order to prove that I belong at this party that God is throwing, you offend the party thrower because you clearly don't understand the greatness of God and the depth of his generosity. Think of it like this. Imagine you had a friend who said, oh man, I found the world's greatest restaurant. It is like life-changing. It has five Michelin stars. And all the best chefs in the world say it, it, it's the height of human cuisine. Emeril Lagasse, Tom Colicchio, Bobby Flay, Chef Boyardee, they all agree. This is the best restaurant on the planet. Now here's the thing, it's 500 bucks a person just to get a seat. Each entree is like 200 bucks, but I got you covered. I got us in, I got us a place, and I'll pay the bill. Just show up and enjoy. Imagine if your friends said that to you because they knew you were a foodie, they knew you would love it, but you insisted on saying, you know what, I got to bring something. I can't just enjoy this meal. That, that doesn't feel right. So how about this? I'll bring a bottle of two-buck chuck and some of my grandma's famous meatballs. I'll bring that to the restaurant. That'll be my contribution and we'll have a great time. What would your friends say? Don't come. Why? Because you, you, you don't bring grandma's meatballs to a free five-star meal. You don't do it. It offends the generosity of the person who's footing the bill and the greatness of the environment you're about to enjoy. 
When someone gives you an incredible gift, there's only one thing to do. The only thing you do is receive it and enjoy it. That's all that you do. The point is this. The kingdom of God is not a potluck. It's an incredible banquet where it's all been bought and paid for. And all you do is bring your nothing and enjoy everything through faith in Jesus. And I've got one more point for you. The kingdom of God is enjoyed and received by those who understand that it's only for sinners. It is only for sinners. If it is offensively free, then that means that it is open to all. The best of us and the worst of us. And what that means is that in the eyes of the one who throws the party, there is no difference between any of us. And that takes humility to admit. What happens in the parable when the people who are initially invited, they reject the invitation. The master gets frustrated and so he, he kicks the doors wide open and he goes and he gets all of the, the outcasts and the others and the rejects from the street and all the foreign people in the world. He, he brings all of them in. Everyone who the insiders thought didn't belong, he grabs all of them and he brings them into the inside. And he gives them the very same meal and he puts them at the same table and he sets them in the exact same seats. And Jesus telling the story knows what's going on in the hearts and minds of those who are hearing. He understands what they're thinking. This is scandalous. The implication is that there's no difference between the people who originally got the invitation and the people who actualized the invitation and sat in the seat. They are all the same. In the eyes of the one who's throwing the banquet, he doesn't see rich and poor. He doesn't see in and out. He doesn't see good or bad, elite and average. All he sees are people who need to be blessed by his party. That's it. It's open for everybody. And there is no difference between the best of us and the worst of us. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the great equalizer. We are all sinners in need of grace. We are all caught up in a mortal and broken life. We are all in need of the kingdom to come to us and to touch our existence. And sadly, sometimes the only way you come to that realization is when you've come to the end of yourself. When you have, when you have done something dumb that threatens your marriage, when you have failed financially, when you have been caught up in a cycle of sickness, when you're, you're dealt with a a good deal of family dysfunction, only then do you realize, oh my goodness, I'm no better. I'm no different. I am broken. I am bad. I am weak. I am mortal. I am prone. I am stuck. I am lost. Here's the bad news. You're a total mess. Here's the good news. You're not alone. Here's the best news. God's kingdom is only for sinners and messes like you and me. There are no perfect people allowed. And it takes humility to admit that and to receive that. But in the eyes of the master throwing the party, we're all the same. What's the greatest party you've ever been invited to? 
I, I don't know your history of invitations, but I know of one, at least. It's the kingdom of God, and he has an invitation for you that you can begin to experience today. It's an invitation that needs to take priority over everything else in your life. It's an invitation that needs no resume, no dress code, no nothing. It's totally free. It's an invitation to open. It's open to absolutely everyone. If you are here and you are proud and you think that you're above all of this stuff, my message to you from Jesus' parable is this. Humble yourself. You are not above the grace of God. If you are here and you think you've blown it, you've lost it, you're the worst in the world, hear these words. You're invited. And you are not beyond the grace of God. The kingdom is here. Open the invitation. Cherish it. Let your whole life be shaped by it. And one day, the party will begin.